think about the two things that are most in my life that have been most impressionable in my spiritual journey. There are so many things, but the two things that have really moved me from one place to another when I was stuck um, is an altar, altars, just the, the commitment and the process of putting an altar together. And the second is mantras, chanting. And I wanna talk a little bit today about mantras because it's such a simple way to include something that is not religious necessarily. You can make it so if you wish, but it is um, an energetic process, a technique that we've taken up. We're using it as a group. We have our group mantra, which we'll be chanting today. Um, it can be used communally or individually. So I just wanna talk a little bit about it because it has the capacity to do the benefits of chanting and using a mantra. Um, are, it's really astounding. So I wanna talk a bit about that. Um, Mir Baba, one of a Persian Indian spiritual master said that a mind that is fast is sick, a mind that is slow is sound, and a mind that is still is divine. And for us to slow down our minds, uh, having a chant is one of the easiest ways for us to harness crazy mind. It's very difficult to sit on a cushion and to sit peacefully when your mind is just flying all over, but chanting and uh, chanting mantras specifically, but any kind of chanting and singing takes you down another path. That's why kirtan is so valuable to us because it involves all of us and takes us down a path that keeps our mind disengaged and our heart space engaged. Um, restless minds equal restless bodies. You can't sit still when you have a restless mind. Angry minds equal heightened emotions. When we have a mental disturbance and we're angry about something, everything is annoying to us. Preoccupied minds um, equal a distraction in whatever we're doing. If you're trying to focus on something and you have a preoccupied mind on another issue in your life, we know it's very difficult to pull ourselves into that which we want to focus on because the mind is just running in its own place. A still mind is a spacious living. We've talked a lot about spaciousness. How do we have spaciousness in our life? A still mind leads to a spaciousness in our life and in our lifestyle. So I am hopeful that we can share a little bit more about the benefits and the strategies for including chanting in our lives. I'd be curious if you wanna write in the chat section, if you are already incorporating a mantra or some version of chanting as a somewhat regular practice, maybe it's not every day, but somewhat regular practice. I'm curious about that. You can just type it in if you are. Um, the word mantra is a Sanskrit word and mantram, which is adding an M at the end is actually Pali. Pali was the language um, of Buddha's era. So many of the old, very old manuscripts and texts and ancient writings that we have from Buddha's time frame will be in Pali. So in Pali, you'll hear mantram, but in Sanskrit, it's mantra, the same thing. It's a sacred utterance. We know that from the work that we've done with Lydia and from the other uh, audible chants and audible practices that we've spoken to, that sound has a vibration, we know that. And when the vibration is in alignment with the vibration of the cosmos and the universe and divinity, we have a different experience of life. 
So we're trying to attune our system so that it walks hand in hand with the divine um, language that is a sacred language that's happening all around us. Mantram is not a religion, it's a technique and uh, many different words are used. So people are very, they're really used to hearing Sanskrit mantrams. And so they think it's Hindu, Hinduism or Buddhism from the Buddhist tradition. But there are many mantrams. People are chanting mantrams in many different languages and many different um, dialects. It doesn't have to be Hindu or Buddhist or Jain to make it or um, there are some Jewish mantrams that are, are used that are really beautiful. It does not have to be associated with a tradition. Um, in the tantric lineage, which is one of the Hindu line lineages, mantras are considered a sacred formula and they're deeply personal and they're given to you by a teacher and they are you are initiated into a mantra. Some of you may have been initiated into mantras over the years, um, Transcendental Meditation, TM, is an example of that. You are actually initiated into a specific mantra that you were then told never to tell anyone what it is. But I have a friend who's a TM teacher and he said that you know it's based on your birth date. So many people will have the same mantra that you have. It has to do with the timeline and the what's happening in the stars. Um, but I still wouldn't tell anyone what mine was. <laughs> I don't use it any longer, but it's similar. Chanting mantras is similar to chanting intentions. We've talked before about um, utilizing intentions to keep our mind focused on changing habits and patterns, using it as a tool for awareness of abundance, gratitude, specific personal goals. Um, using intentions in that way can be very helpful. Even single words can be very helpful, but it's not the same as using a mantra because mantras are, um, sim living symbols of divinity. So the way that they're constructed, if you're even if you're doing one that's in Hebrew or you're doing one that's um, a Christian, they're using the name of the divine to be able to activate the mantra. So we're we're trying to connect with the divine and the divinity that's in and around us. So it isn't a mindset of I want to do something better. It's about connecting to divinity, and we've talked a lot about that in however you want to organize your life around what your belief system is, that we have divinity in us and around us, and we want to be in connection with that. The more we are in alignment, the more the sacred tools come through us, the sacred uh, initiations come through us, the sacred revelations come through us, the sacred knowledge and wisdom flows if we're in alignment with the divine. And that can be under any, through any wisdom teaching that resonates for you. I don't think there's anyone on this call that would say that they don't believe that there's some divine, um, whether it's a divine creation, a creator, or it's a divine orchestration of um, the way the universe is put together. However you would articulate it, there is some divinity and some perfection in the way that life has been constructed in and around us. Um, Mahatma Gandhi said that the mantra becomes one staff of life and that he used, as many Indians do, use mantras uh, throughout the day, not as just a sitting practice. And I'm going to chat a little bit about that. But some of the benefits of chanting a mantra decreases anxiety related to life, public speaking, relationships, communication, work. Any, anywhere that you're carrying anxiety, this is, a, this is a proven way to decrease anxiety. It connects us with the more subtle aspects of ourselves. So our aim is to become more subtle 
and to relate to that which is around us in a more subtle way. And the practices that we want to do, pranayama, sitting in meditation, many of the movements that um, Hatha yoga movements and Kundalini yoga movements are meant for us to start being in touch with our subtlety, the subtlety of our body, mind, spirit. Um, and mantras are a very nice way to do that. It lowers blood pressure. Um, mantras are used, they're even starting to use them the way yoga has now become quite popular in clinics where you'll see a well-being clinic as part of a hospital where they're actually introducing mantras and yoga and all these Eastern uh, practices and disciplines that used to be held out as kind of woo-woo are now because so many scientific studies have been done around them, there's an understanding of the benefits, the health benefits and the wellness benefits of them. Um, it supports access to our deeper resources. So we, as we've talked before, we're trying to make contact with the deeper sense of source that we have in ourselves that allows us to bring forth wisdom and knowledge and um, intuitiveness so that we can live our life more through our heart space instead of living it through our mind space. So we activate our mind when a piece of information or data is really important for us to integrate into something. But so much of the time, we are wanting to live out of a space that's more intuitive and a flow, more watery, more juicy than it is concrete. Thought is concrete. Thought generally leads us to a conclusion. And then we support that conclusion with other thoughts. And we're trying to work a little bit looser in the way that we're interacting as we are aging and as we are carrying wisdom into the world that we wanna be in that space of access and mantras are known to do that. They can also return us to our natural state of peacefulness, equanimity, calm. We are naturally wanting to be, that's the resonant frequency that our system wants. It's only when the outside world or when our mental turmoil gets involved that we stop being able to remember that we have a peacefulness and an equanimity that is our natural state. We want to return to that. Um, it's a dynamic transformational discipline that can work with you 24 seven. So I wanna talk about how that can happen. So there are many different philosophies around mantras. One of them is that you have to do it exactly 108 times in a day and you have to do it sitting down on a cushion and you have to do it with your, you know, no other distractions and no anything else going on and you should do it silent or you should do it loud. There are all these restrictions and all of these must do. What I really love about some of the teachings that come out of India around mantras that are a little less stringent is that they talk about incorporating mon mantras into the little tiny spaces in our life all day long so that it starts to be like St. Paul said in the Bible, unceasing prayer. Unceasing mantra is the identification with the divine in and around us all the time. So that whenever your mind starts to move someplace where you don't need it to be going, you don't need to be thinking something at that time, you switch to your mantra and you, now you've distracted your mind into something that's actually repetitive of the divine name and source and energy frequency, instead of having it run amok into whatever else it's running into. So that is not a sitting on the cushion chanting with your mala beads 108 times. That's taking the five minutes you're standing in line at the grocery store when other people are you know, babbling around you and you just are mentally reciting your mantra. Or it's the time when you're waiting for a doctor's appointment, you're a little bit anxious maybe, or you're with somebody else who's a little bit anxious and you're repeating it just to work on your own anxiety 
for that five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever. It doesn't have to be a 45 minute practice, but over the day, as we start to train ourselves to bring us back into that repetitive sound of that mantra, we're, we are actually bringing in a lot of time. It may not be continuous just sitting on the cushion. That's something you work towards. If many people don't take up a practice because they, they'll do it once and say it took too long, it's, I'm too antsy, I can't sit for it, I, it's just too much. But if you had to just incorporate it in you know, the line where you're waiting someplace for something for two minutes, you would find that it was actually quite easy to do and to incorporate. It doesn't feel like there's a stopping place for it. Um, when they talk about doing it out loud, chanting out loud or chanting quietly, um, silently, it's much more subtle when it's silent and it's grosser in terms of the frequency when it's loud, when you're singing out loud. But when you're first trying to bring yourself into a practice of mantra, chanting it out loud, it distracts your mind more, it keeps you more involved. It's not as easy to go someplace else because it's a grosser pro uh, process. So I always encourage people to chant audibly when you're first starting or if you're having trouble, if you have a really busy day and you wanna take five minutes and chant, but you just are finding your minds popping all over, chanting it audibly is gonna be much more easy to corral yourself around the practice. Um, you can use malas, it's great for counting, but it, it, as you develop the practice, you will want to be in a more um, regimented practice where you do either 28 rounds or 54 or 108 rounds. But in the beginning, it's not, it's not necessary that you have, you, if I can't sit for 108, then I'm not gonna sit. No, sit for 10 or 20. If you can do 28, fabulous. Those are 28, 54 are all um, equally divisible into 108, that's great but it's not, <coughs> it shouldn't be the stopping point because we want unceasing reminder of being in that space of mantra um, because it develops a level of devotion and attentiveness to the process. That's more important than the precision. Some people say, if you can't pronounce the words exactly right, don't say it at all, you're saying something wrong. And there are also an equal number of teachings that say, if your devotion and your heart space is leading you to do this practice, you'll get it right enough. You'll get it right enough. And you might end out with somebody that helps you with some fine tuning in it. But the ways that we sabotage ourselves is that we say, I can't do it the proper way, either in the length of time or in the audible way, or I can't do all of that, so I'm gonna do nothing. And I'm just saying, it's like building an altar. If all you can do is set a flower on your altar and a photo of one thing that's important in your life, that's great to start. That everything doesn't have to have this fullness of completion in order for us to step into it. And that just gives us an, an excuse not to step in. And what we wanna keep doing is to step into the process and then we see how it resonates for us and how we can deepen and develop it. Um, we call them the little weights in line are the places, little weights in life are the places where you can take time to be doing this during the day. Five minutes waiting in line, two to three minutes when you're in a task, maybe you're on your computer for an hour and you just need to kind of get up and regroup get up and walk. Walking and doing mantra is fabulous because your rhythm supports the mantra and the chanting. There's a, something that like a symbiotic relationship that happens. So that's a beautiful way to do it. If you're bored, rather than turning on the TV or turning on another YouTube or whatever, sit down and just chant for 10 minutes. 
Just take a certain amount of time and give yourself that distraction. We're so easily distracted on social media and devices. Let's distract ourselves with a recitation of the energy and the connection to the divine. Um, great thing for elderly, if you have some elderly in your life, a short, short mantra is a really wonderful way for them to re-engage themselves and to move out of um, their own boredom or their own repetitive mind. Really good with kids. If you have children that are, or grandchildren that are having trouble getting to sleep, chanting out loud the mantra to them, and if they want to chant along, but even just chanting it, singing it in their room with them, if they're going to the doctor or they're doing something that's anxiety producing for them, chanting, just chanting it, low grade chanting, or you can play with them and have them chant with you. Uh, headaches, really great for headaches, great for when you're sick. It distracts our mind from the symptoms and gives us a sense of healing and wholeness where we need to gather it from the other places in our body that are okay. So we can take care of where we need the help. Um, it's exquisite in the mornings between um, the sun rising, just before the sunrise, fabulous time to be chanting. If you happen to wake up in the middle of the night, great for sleeplessness. Get yourself back together with your mantra. So just one, we want to chant our mantra. So just one thing about our community mantra, uh, City and I chose Om Mani Padme Om because it's really a great personal and communal chant. It's It works really well for both. It literally means the jewel is in the lotus. And for those of you who know about the lotus plant, you know that lotus plants are able to grow in muck and mud and very little sustenance in terms of having nice um, soil and amendments and whatnot. It grows out of nothingness. And this, the way that this was written, this Buddhist mantra is to have us recall that the lotus flowers thrive in this and they require very little to sustain themselves as do we. So that by repeating this mantra, we become, we're cleaning the muck out and we understand that we can flourish in very little. And that's part of our receiving life in whatever form it comes. So this mantra is a really nice one to be using. If you don't have one, it's not too long. It's easily done, even if you're going to do 108, which we're going to do right now, takes us only six minutes. It's fabulous. But what if you only did 54, you only had three minutes and you did 54 cycles of it, or you only did 28 cycles of it. You did a minute and a half, you did 28 cycles. So this is on our Fragrance of Joy Spotify list, the one that we're using. I'll also put it again in the um, weekly email so you can access this specific one because um, this is the, the timing of this one is quite nice. Um, so this week, please incorporate this mantra into your day in little fits and spurts. If you can't just sit and do 108 at one time, bring it in for the small spaces because it will make a difference in that way. Don't miss out on altars and mantras in this.